Welcome back, everybody. This is Chad and Eric here with Iraq Veteran 8888. Today, we've got another gun gripe episode for you. All right. We're going to be getting into the idea. I know this is going to be hard for some of you to believe, but could a Democrat senator stand in the way of you and the Second Amendment? Literally, uh, with this filibuster that's on hand, potential vote to, to get rid of the filibuster in the Senate, uh, Joe Manchin very well could be the breaking stone on or straw on the camel's back, per se. So we are going to get into this, and uh, it might be a worthy talking point. Uh, I would like to thank our friends at Sonoran Desert Institute. They've got some wonderful gunsmithing programs, really great group of people, and I appreciate them supporting gun gripes. Uh, if you've got that unused GI Bill, put that thing to work for you. They accept you know types of student aid like that. Um, if you are looking to have a career in the firearms technology realm and you want to increase your scope of knowledge, they're a great online source to look into. Check them out. All right, so Joe Manchin. Th this is one of those kind of um, odd situations where you've got a Democrat senator in West Virginia who has a relatively pro-gun uh, background and has, has gotten you know good ratings from the NRA in the past. So we have to assume or at least hope that he's going to hold true to the Constitution and hold true to his pro-gun mm -hmm. Uh, past, you know, so I guess this is really interesting to think about. You know, right now Schumer is definitely wanting to do away with the filibuster. Uh, we'll get into this a little more, but it's really random. Um, we're on such a slippery slope with this whole situation that we're, we're literally just on the edge, like looking over the edge of the cliff right now when it comes to our rights. Because if they can remove this filibuster, the idea is with a simple majority vote, which they certainly will have uh, with with removing the filibuster, mm -hmm. the idea is that they can pass any bill they want readily and easily, right? And we know that if it goes to Biden's desk, he's going to sign it if it's an anti-gun bill. But not only that, there's deeper connotations too. They've already expressed interest in wanting to pack the Supreme Court. Mm -hmm. This makes it much easier for them to pack the Supreme Court. So they know in order for this to work in their favor, they've got to establish an easier system to push things through quicker, more efficiently, and everything. Uh, Biden has already waived the wand of executive fiat, what, 19 times already just in the last week. The most executive orders that have been signed by a president in the first day or even week of their presidency probably in a very long time. I think um, Bush didn't sign any executive orders his first uh, day or week of, of being president. I think Trump signed uh, maybe one or something like that. Bill Clinton signed one, but 19. So, you so it's clear that even though there's this perceived notion, right, that they have control of the, well, they do have control of the Senate, the House, and the presidency. All right. Why would they need to wave that wand of executive fiat so readily if they knew that anything could get passed legitimately through the Congress. Well, the big thing with the executive orders that have been passed recently were rolling back a lot of the orders that Trump put into place. You know, and one of the executive orders killed jobs on both sides of the border, you know, between us and Canada with the Keystone Pipeline being canceled. So, I mean, literally on day one, Joe Biden is killing jobs in the U.S. So... We'll see what happens from there, but I'm sure there's going to be a lot more that's going to get killed. Two million Texans could lose their job. And when you talk about revenue in Texas, just from the mm -hmm. oil industry alone, over $500 million in annual revenue would be affected by this, this executive order. You sure order. it's not more and, than that? It might so, be. Sounds, that sounds well, low. Well, that's what I saw. It was like <laughs> $485 million wow. or somewhere. In the, I mean, it's a, okay. it's a lot of money. But this is only a... 
you know, a sign of times to come because, I mean, the thing with, with these executive orders, literally, with a stroke of a pen, jobs can be killed in an industry. I mean, what happens when, like, fracking is banned by executive fiat or whatever? Fracking is a method of extracting oil uh, from basically under the ground, okay, from rocks and such, uh, you know, in order to gain our energy independence as a country. And we were on that path, but, you know, the Democrats are beholden to the environmentalists and, you know, they don't like oil. So they like us being dependent on places like Saudi Arabia. I mean, so who can control the prices of oil that you put in your gas tank from, you know, half a world away? Well, not to mention so, all the bankers that run the uh, yeah. sub, the uh, trains and all that stuff, too. So but, there's a lot of that that goes into it. it. Anyway, I digress. It, yeah, but it's just, it's insane, like, how much he's done on the first day. But the just to give you some background on the filibuster, okay, the filibuster is a method of drawing out debates and discussions in the Senate, okay, to the point where they can invoke what's called cloture. When a senator invokes cloture, to my knowledge, what happens is they have to have 60 votes in order to move that bill forward in the Senate for an official vote to move it either to the president, uh, you know, his desk, if it's already passed the House, or move it to the House for further del- deliberation, voting, and then possibly passing it to the president. Uh, we saw back in the Obama years, okay, we had full Democratic control of the, the Senate and the House and, and the presidency, right? And, and no gun control got through then, okay? And then midterm elections came up, they lost the House, okay? And the Senate... We we had we had control of the ship. Okay, Republicans, conservatives had control of the ship for a couple of years under Trump, but nothing got done. We're always fighting to you know keep our rights from being taken away further, but we're never gaining any ground back. So the our, our gun rights have just been further eroded throughout the years, I and mean, we we get a, a tiny little piece back on state levels, but we have never gotten anything back on a federal level in in a long long time, and. It's not looking like that's going to happen anytime soon. We've had some pro-gun bills that have gotten, you know, introduced in the House, okay, pre-filed in the House. We discussed in a previous gun gripe. Um, but are these things really going to, you know, even come up on the floor for a vote? Likely not. That's what we want to see with these anti-gun bills that are coming down the Senate and the House's pipelines. We don't even want to see them get out of committee. But if they do get out of committee, there's a good chance that there are some moderate Democrats that are going to vote against any sort of grievous anti-gun legislation that does come down the pipeline. But Eric mentioned Schumer wants to get rid of the uh, filibuster. He wants to get rid of what's called Rule 22. But, okay, this this is what I'm reading right here. In order to get rid of Rule 22, it would require a vote of two-thirds of the Senate in order to revoke that rule, which allows the filibuster process, which allows cloture to be called, which allows that 60-vote margin to have to be met. So... That seems like a, a hard a hill to climb in order to get to that point. So I'd like to say that maybe we're, we're pretty safe, but no one should rest on their laurels when it comes to contacting their senators, especially Joe Manchin. He would be a man to contact, you know, via phone, via email, and show your solidarity with the Second Amendment and express your concern with anti-gun legislation and just speak your mind, you know, to the man. And be He's literally like the one center that could stand between us and gun control when it comes down to things. I think that there's certainly a few things to consider in the giant scheme of things. One is that, you know, Schumer is just engaging in political theater, which the Democrats have have notoriously and famously been known to readily wield 
the sword of political theater in, in many, many cases, right? We look at them, you know, walking the impeachment articles over to the uh, Senate to look at, right? So this whole, you know, puff and ponce and circumstance mm. and everything, like they always have to blow mm. everything out of proportion and make a big deal out of, out of things, right? And whether or not, no matter what you think about Trump, it's like they want to talk about unity and about healing the country and bringing people back together, but yet they want to waste taxpayers' money and time, right, to go after this these impeachment articles for someone who's not even the president anymore, just out of spite, just to send a message to you, America, just average Americans, that a commoner is not welcome in these halls. That's the message they want to send. They don't want a regular person who's a political outsider in their little realm. They don't want the waters being muddied. They don't want the snakes getting pushed out of the grass. They want their little environment that they exist in and, and that exists to further their goals and a hierarchy of control to remain in place. And they don't want people to be tempted to try to be a part of it and change the system from the inside. And I strongly believe that more so than any other reason, no matter what you think about President Trump, no matter what your beliefs are of President Biden, it doesn't matter, right? The the big scheme of the thing is, is they want to send a message that political outsiders are not welcome in these halls. Mm-hmm. That's not an elitist attitude about it. I don't know what is. I mean, some of these senators and some of these you know representatives have been literally they're in those positions for their entire professional lives. I mean, you look at Feinstein. I mean, I think she's been, she's a senator out of California. I think she's been in the Senate since the late 70s. And that woman is like 87 years old now. And there's talk that she is starting to cognitively decline. I mean, there are aides that have come out and said that she doesn't even remember what was said to her five minutes ago. And she brings up the same questions again in committees and stuff that she's chaired on. Or she, she's a part of. And that's just insane. I mean, by the time her her you know term is up now, she'll be 93 years old, I guess. I mean, I, I don't know. If she got voted in, I can't remember if she did or not. But I she'll would be past like 90. to mention something in this particular video that might be slightly relevant to this conversation. Senator Ted Cruz out of Texas, I would like to mention something that Ted Cruz has put forth as oh a piece of legislation. All right. Senator Cruz has put forth, you may have to Google, maybe Google that. that. Google, Google that, that, please. Google that. Google. Um, so Senator Cruz has put forth legislation uh, for term limits. Ah, so, good. Yeah. So shout out to Ted Cruz. Good on you, pal. I appreciate that. that that's forward-thinking stuff, right? <clears throat> you know, you're talking about an entire system where people can vote in their own raises. <laughs> you know what I mean? They can They can make all of these... Rules that don't apply to them, right? And then there's there's no accountability. There's no term limits. Someone can just keep getting voted in over and over and over again and become a pr- career politician. So that's the issue with this whole thing, right? It, it is worth mentioning, though, that there are some people out there uh, within, within our Congress and within our government that are doing a really good job of trying to do the right thing, right? Thomas Massey out of Kentucky, he is a really good dude, one of my favorite people. I've broke bread with him. I've interviewed him. He is such a humble guy, one of the most intelligent guys you could ever ask for. He is he is a gift to Kentucky. Thomas Massey is. Ted Cruz, you know, great, great guy. I, I really, really like what Ted Cruz has done, you know, and he he just is completely unabashed and unadulterated in terms of how he approaches liberty and freedom and our rights and stuff. So 
Let me pull up um, Ted on. Yeah, I see. Here. There's there's several uh, joint resolutions that have been introduced yeah, by multiple Ted, Ted members. Ted Cruz introduces amendment imposing term limits on congressional members. Right again. Here. <laughs> yes. Right. So that's newest in his timeline. Good deal. So it's it's right awesome. there. This was just published on the 26th of January. Okay. Awesome. Anyway, look it but, up. You'll get some information on it. But I just we, thought I would we really it. do need new blood in the House and the Senate. Um, I mean, the the President of the United States has a four year term limit and then has to be elected again and can serve only a total of eight years, why can members of the House and members of the Senate serve their entire lives? I mean, there's no reason for someone to be stuck in in that seat for that long. And the way that the districting works and like redistricting, okay, when the censuses are done, which we just had a census in 2020, so there's going to be a lot of redistricting and such, and most of these redistricting, uh, you know, or most of the redistricting that happens really, really uh, plays into the hands of leftists, okay? Like AOC up in New York, she's in Queens. There is very, very, uh, a tiny, minuscule chance that she will ever be voted out of that seat, even by one of the most staunch conservative candidates that you might be able to fight for in, or fight against in Queens. Uh, but she just has that base up there. I mean, this is a district where, you know, she's won by like 80% of the vote, okay? So... Term limits would be appreciated because there's no sense in somebody being a career politician like that. You need to get new blood in there because times change. I mean, look at Feinstein. I keep coming back to her because there's so many like older um, members of Congress out there that are really just out of touch with reality. What can days. an 87-year-old person possibly know about... I mean, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm not science. saying that folks that, that get older don't have infinite wisdom to share with the world. I'm not saying that. But it's like when it's in the realm of being a career politician, that's not a good thing, right? That's not something you look back on and go, you know, well, Biden was a career politician for 48 years mm -hmm. up till now. It's like, that's not a good thing, right? That's that's voting in the snake in the grass. Like, that's a person who has become a master of manipulating the world around him and the environment around him in order uh, to make his family wealthy and influential. Mm. And it's all about power and keeping that power and consolidating that power uh, within circles uh, of the government. And mm. that's the danger of this whole thing, right? Yeah. It is. It is far, far long been away from the idea of uh, protecting the rights of citizens and, and you having the power and you having a say as an individual. I mean, they say, oh, you can go vote. Well, vote your way out. Make your voice be heard. And you look at everything that's happened with all of that. So mm. it's just, at what point is there any recourse for the average person who's been subject to this crap their whole lives, right? Biden's been a career politician longer than I've been alive. And it's just crazy to think. I mean, it, it's just, I'm telling we, you. we should not support an environment where people are able to become career politicians. Our founding fathers never wanted there to be mm. career politicians. Bottom line. And they never wanted there to be this huge tipping of power in the government to one side or the other, right? Yep. They always wanted checks and balances so that no one side of the political argument could have overall control of the situation. And what Schumer is doing with this filibuster is not in the spirit of the Founding Fathers' original intentions, certainly not. Well, not a whole lot. It's, a, it's it's an opportunity to consolidate power, and they're taking it. It's not a whole lot of, um, you know, the Constitution really gets brought up in conversation in the Houses of uh, Congress and the Senate today, I don't think. But um, I think that term limits, too, 
you know, as Eric mentioned, I think term limits would force voters to maybe research their candidates maybe a little bit more instead of just voting because they've got an R or a D beside their name. And it happens on both sides of the aisle. Like, I mean, you know, you got an R beside your name in a, in a, in a red state, then well, you're probably going to stay there for a while. But, you know, when did it become a, a point in case that, you know, you vote because of someone's political affiliation and not their, not their character or their virtue or what they've actually done in their record? I mean, we look at Joe Manchin, look at his voting record against, you know, gun legislation that comes down the pipeline. You know, he's been against a lot of anti-gun bills that have come down, uh, you know, in his in his tenure. But who's to say that he would follow that suit again? But he has come up and said that if anything comes down the pipe from Schumer or anybody else about, you know, packing the courts or getting rid of the filibuster or whatever the case is, he's going to be up against it. So we can only hope that anything related to anti-gun legislation that he'll also not, you know... But we're, we're definitely not out of the water, but I, I'd say that, you know, with a 50-50 split, okay, it's going to be very hard-pressed for for anti-gun legislation to get through the Senate, especially with folks like Manchin, potentially on the side of gun owners. Because you have to think, uh, a lot of the anti-gun legislation in the past, uh, you know, few terms has failed, okay? We look back at uh, the Obama years, you know, the big assault weapons ban. It didn't even really make it out of committee. Okay, um, but then some of the pro-gun stuff never made it out of the committee either. How I many mean, Democrats are like Joe Manchin and that will not side with uh, the gun control yeah. people? And how many Republicans who we think are on our side are going to sign on with gun control? Yeah. So this isn't out of the water. This is just a talking point that I felt was worth you know bringing up in this gun gripe because we are in for one crazy battle with the Second Amendment and. Anytime there is, I hate to use the word regime change, but anytime there's a regime change, they say that. Of course, it's a regime to them. But anytime there's a change of ownership, whatever you want to call it, change in the management, anytime that there's a change, it, it always seems to spark these talks, especially when that change tips the the balance of power in one direction extremely more than the other. Well, okay, one could argue during the Obama administration, not a single bit of, of gun control was passed you know, through the Congress or anything. Mm-hmm. But likewise, in the two years that we supposedly had control of everything uh, on, on the, the right side of things, whatever political end you want to look at it from, mm-hmm. we didn't get any pro-gun stuff mm-hmm. passed. So and this then- whole government over the last you know 10 years, 12 years, has been lame duck. Nothing has really gotten done except uh, to further their own political goals and their own personal goals. Don't forget you know? that we got more gun control under Trump via executive action than we did during the entire eight years of Obama. We did get a seven and six ban. We did, but you know, Trump banned bump stocks. And that sets forth a very dangerous precedence. And then we saw what happened with braces. You know, with the ATF and and whatnot, and then them backing off of that. We still don't have any updates on on that yet. Okay, we did a video about that topic as well. But we did, you know, we saw you know Trump talking about red flag laws and you know uh, take the guns first, due process later. You know, and then talking about banning suppressors. I mean, you know, so we got a sitting Republican, quote unquote, okay, in the White House who's supposed to be on gun owner side saying that he's going to do these things and we're like hey what are you what's the, what's the letter after your name again i mean you know what are you representing today uh but i don't think it really matters you know whether there's a d or an r after somebody's name it's it's all about like i said their character and their virtue and what they actually do not what they say they're going to do i mean trump could promise that you know the the eight year assault on your second amendment rights is coming to a screeching halt you know, or whatever verbatim. Was it really? 
was it? I mean, and that's the question. You know, what will Joe Biden do with executive fiat to mirror what Trump did with executive fiat in regards to the Second Amendment? So, you know, it's just a giant swamp. And, you know, the fight isn't over, but we've got to definitely make sure that we are, you know, ringing that bell as hard as we can from every single direction and that we're, you know, reaching out to these people and we're making sure that they know where we're coming from. Uh, You know, I've got faith that things are going to be okay, but at the same time, it does make you wonder, you know, what the future for the Second Amendment really holds. And um, that's all I'm going to say about that here. Well, I just wonder, like, at what point in our lives are we going to, you know, stop having these close calls and there's going to be some massive gun control that comes down the pipeline like we've seen in Canada and and Great Britain and Australia. Um, You know, the only thing that's really stood in the way is our constitutional amendment. I mean, more well, or less. So. And then an- another thing that sort of takes <clears throat> me off a good bit is we're supposed to have this, you know, conservative majority in the Supreme Court. You know, where are the two A cases? Where where are all these horrible grievances that we bring up to the Supreme Court and all of the, the things that have been done against us and our rights have been diminished over these years? Where are those cases being heard in the Supreme mm-hmm. Court now that we're supposed to supposedly have this conservative majority, right? So if Biden and all his cronies want to, uh, you know, pack the Supreme Court, and tip the balance in the Supreme Court by packing it, right? If they want to do that, then why don't we get in our butts and gear and get some things in the pipeline mm-hmm. and get some of the stuff voted on the Supreme Court and get some of this crap thrown out or well, something? See, the bad Throw thing... Throw us a bone here. The bad thing is, I mean, cases have gone to the Supreme Court and a lot of them they've refused to hear. So then it gets just, it just gets passed back to the lower courts. I mean... You know, that's not what all the talk was about. It's like, hey, we need to get, uh, you know, Kavanaugh and we need to get Amy Coney Barrett in. Okay, now we've got this big conservative majority in the Supreme Court. Now we're going to get some things done on all fronts, not just on the gun front, but on, you know, all the conservative fronts. You know, things with abortion, things with, uh, you know, civil rights, things with uh, firearms. Okay, whatever you want to talk about. Free speech. Values. All right, I yeah, mean, we'd love speech. to see something, you know, there's been a lot of free speech, you know, stuff that it's, it's, I mean, I'm not going to get into Section 230C and all of that stuff in this particular video, but but when they can say like, it's pretty literally. scary with the with the the censorship. Yeah, I mean, when the Supreme Court can just say, "Oh, we're not going to hear that case. We're passing it back to the lower courts," but then it goes back to a court where they're either just not going to rule on it or they just dismiss it, you know. And and there there it is. You start over from scratch, and this is like a three year process to get something to the Supreme Court. So, I mean. Is the court really the the supreme, like, you know, uh, end-all, do-all of the land? Is the Constitution the law of the land? I mean, that's what you really have to ask yourself. Like, what mechanism, what document are we honoring in the way that we run our government if the Constitution is not the ultimate law of the land and the end-all, do-all instruction manual that the government has to follow? The Constitution Mm -hmm. is not necessarily... uh, It is an affirmation of our rights, but... It's also more distinctively an instruction manual of what the government cannot do. It is to limit the power of government more than it is to solidify what our rights are, which by by virtue of living the words of the sec or not only the Second Amendment, but the Constitution in general and the Bill of Rights, you are telling the government, all right, that's far enough. Okay, you can't go any further. So what what happens when they keep coming and coming and coming and no one is going to solidify our rights, whether through the courts or by just honoring the Constitution as a politician. So, you yep. know, it's 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 pretty crazy. Like, what standard is there if the Constitution is not the ultimate law of the land? 
The standard that is uh, put forth by your masters. Yeah. Guys, don't fret. Don't get too worked up over this. Um, you know, it's just important to kind of <clears throat> keep this stuff in the back of your mind. Mm -hmm. And it's just a talking point we wanted to bring up. Uh, this is far from over. I mean, the Second Amendment is going to be under attack over the next four years. This is not over. Um, and it's going to be scary. So be expecting some stuff from us in terms of gun gripes. We're always going to ring that bell whenever we can and get, you know, uh, word out on pending legislation and things like that. Whatever we, we hear about, we'll definitely make videos on it. Uh, but don't let it, the most important thing, don't let it define you. You know, live your life, be happy, prepare, do the best you can, uh, be an engaged citizen, Get other people into gun ownership because ultimately the ambassadorship is what is going to protect us in the long run, right? The more people we turn into gun owners, the more people that we make understand that, you know, the Second Amendment is an extremely important right to protect, then overall it's going to make it harder no matter who the politician is or what lettered is next to their name. It's going to make it much harder for people like them to infringe on your rights when we have a holistic approach to the Second Amendment and the importance of gun ownership. That is the battle we need to be fighting, bringing more people into the fold and really fighting this stuff in court and making it literally heck. You know, make, making it a living hell on them. <clears throat> That's how we're going to win. Mm -hmm. Guys, have a great day. We appreciate you watching Gun Gripes. We hope you enjoyed today's video. Definitely like to thank all of our Patreon supporters. Those of you who purchase snazzy t-shirts over on Ballistic Inc., thank very you very snazzy. much. Also, our man cans. We've got some great products that we select just for you guys. Consider purchasing one. Help support our channel. Have a great day. Many more videos on the way. We'll see you next time. Take care, guys.